America's anchorman Rush Limbaugh loses his battle against lung cancer. The train seals in the mainstream media defend cancel culture. And should we forgive those who are seeking to cancel us? All of this and more on today's episode. Gospel message to the modern world. This is the Joyful Stoic Podcast. Before we begin today's episode, I would like to go over a few programming notes just briefly. I know it has been a while since I have released any of my previous content, and I wanted to let everybody know that everything is fine. I am a full-time physical therapist, and I get busy, and as much as I would like to work on this project as much as humanly possible, sometimes I will be um, busier than others, and to an extent, that's just the nature of the job. I greatly enjoy being able to help my patients reach new levels of fitness, being able to reach new levels of function, and... I want to always make sure that that is my first priority. I also want to make sure that the content of this podcast is of a very high standard, and I don't want to release anything unless it meets that standard. I appreciate all of your patience, and hopefully in time, I will be able to begin some new portions of this show, and I promise you, I am working on additional content as we speak. Thank you again. For your patience. On today's program, I would like to discuss the concept of forgiveness and why I believe it is necessary for us to forgive those who persecute us. Now, you may be saying to yourself, why on earth would I want to show any mercy to someone who simply seeks to oppress me? Well, unfortunately, a significant portion of the modern world no longer understands the concept of forgiveness, and I'm afraid no one will understand it unless we as believers show them what it is through our actions. There is a real social movement gaining traction in America known as the cancel culture. This movement is largely defined by its absolute ruthlessness in pursuit of ruining the lives and careers of those they disagree with. This social movement seems to regard the concept of mercy as a form of weakness. With this in mind, they utilize immoral tactics such as bullying those who oppose them to get their way. They will intimidate your employer, news outlets, your church, and shame them on social media. However, if it doesn't work, if one is not silenced through their social media tirades, They will dox you, which means they will find and broadcast your private information, such as your home address, phone number, and email address, over the internet. Initially, this may not seem like a big deal, but this information can lead to these cancel culture lackeys forming a mob outside of your home that can threaten you, your family, and your neighbors. Those seeking to cancel others very often do this because they truly believe what they are doing is right. Because of this high level of moral certainty, they feel justified bullying those who think differently from them. Now, despite the terrible tactics of those engaging in this cancel culture, 
it falls upon a countercultural Christianity to show the world a better way of doing things. I believe this means we have to show a level of forgiveness, grace, and understanding to these cancel culture warriors. But just to make very clear, there are different forms of forgiveness, and we will discuss one today that I believe is appropriate for the bullies trying to cancel everyone. To an extent, I know what it feels like to be ostracized because I was bullied as a kid. It was never anything violent as I was big enough of a kid that most people didn't want to mess with me, but I was socially awkward and there were several people whom, henceforth I will simply refer to them as jerks, who insulted me relentlessly for my awkwardness. By my nature, I am outgoing, but my encounters with these jerks over my childhood caused me to become shy and therefore even more socially awkward. Overall, I had a happy childhood, but I always felt out of place. It was really hard for me to fit in and make friends, and if I'm honest, it remains a little bit difficult for me to this day. I eventually found and became a part of a social group that was kind of a collection of outcasts when I was in junior high. It seemed that I encountered jerks in most stages of my childhood, and I believe this led me to this group of goths. Yes, I was a goth in junior high and high school. I wore a lot of dark clothing almost all of the time. I sported a heavy metal t-shirt and I shopped at Hot Topic. Even though I did receive a sense of belonging in this group, I would continue to run into folks who simply wanted to mock my appearance, my music, or my mannerisms. These struggles would eventually lead me to feeling depressed, and eventually I became nihilistic, which means I came to believe that my life had no meaning. This feeling would eventually lead me to prolific drug abuse. During these years, I was a lonely and angry kid. I was cynical about the vast majority of people and was convinced many of them would hurt me if ever given the chance. Being an awkward and lonely kid for a time, I thought I was the only one who felt like an outcast, until I heard a song by one of my favorite bands. Years ago, the heavy metal group Metallica wrote a song entitled The Unforgiven, in which the lead singer, James Hetfield, relates his thoughts and feelings in regards to the turmoil he experienced during his childhood. His childhood included many traumatic events, such as his father leaving his family, his mother dying a painful death from cancer, and feeling like a social outcast who didn't really fit in with anyone else. In one of the verses, he comments on society demanding conformity from him and how that made him feel alienated. This sense of alienation is summarized in the chorus of this song, when Hetfield sings, What I've felt, what I've known, never shined through what I've shown. Never free, never me, so I dub thee unforgiven. When he sings the last part about how he dubs thee unforgiven, that is a thee with two e's, I believe he is saying that society is labeling him as unforgiven. Essentially, society is looking at him and saying, you can never be one of us. The message of this song makes me consider many things I see occurring today. Right now, our society is labeling many people as unforgivable, irredeemable, and deplorable. And this is being done by the big tech fascists on a massive level. 
and their actions are being defended by their cronies in the mainstream media, as evidenced by the recent comments of Reliable Sources host, Brian Stelter. Brian Stelter, who regards himself as a great defender of the freedom of speech and of the press, has begun to openly call for limiting the reach of conservative commentators. Supporting the tactics recently utilized by the big tech giants and how they silenced Parler, President Trump, and more recently, MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell, Brian Stelter went on a long, convoluted rant on his show in which he ended up defending the censorship of those who disagree with him. He did this by framing conservative commentators as nothing but liars who in essence deserve to be silenced anyways. He stated, reducing a liar's reach is not the same as censoring freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is different than freedom of reach. So, Essentially, he is arguing that anyone can say what they want to say in the privacy of their own homes, but that cannot be extended to the public square. And yes, Twitter, Facebook, all mainstream media outlets, Google, and Amazon are all a part of our modern public square today. When considered appropriately, he is advocating a position where he and his friends get to decide what the truth is, and then they can't imagine why anyone on earth would have a problem with that. Mr. Stelter can act like his rhetoric is healing the nation, but we all know that it is only furthering our current cultural divide. As it stands right now, Brian Stelter and all of his friends in the mainstream media seem to be defending the cancel culture, and this makes certain conservative Christians very nervous about what could be coming down the pike for us. However, supporters of the cancel culture do not seem to realize that their tactics are going to end up being their own undoing. People can only be bullied for so long before they become resentful, and I believe that as followers of the living God, we are called to show the world something better that doesn't involve having to ruin everybody's lives. But if we are able to win this culture war, then we have to treat our enemies better than they have treated us. We cannot end the leftist cancel culture only to end up replacing it with one of our own. This means we must come to an understanding of basic rights and conduct within this society. If we can all agree to abide by the same set of rules, then we can begin to heal these great divisions. If you think about it, you can only play a game and enjoy that game with your friends if everyone agrees to, as to what the rules are. Games do not work out if one player gets to change the rules whenever they wish. I believe one of the ways that we as Christians can demonstrate a good faith effort towards healing this cultural divide is by extending a form of forgiveness to those who are seeking to oppress us. The form of forgiveness that I am referring to is one proposed by Dr. Stephen Marmer, a psychiatric specialist and clinical faculty member at UCLA. He proposes that there are three types of forgiveness, exoneration, forbearance, and release. Today, I want to discuss his concept of release. Now, release is a form of forgiveness that applies when someone has wronged you and has not apologized or expressed any regret for what they have done. I would say this basically covers our situation with the cancel culture warriors of today. 
Release means you let go of any ill will or anger towards the person or persons who have wronged you. However, it does not mean you continue to have anything to do with them. It simply means you forego any bad feelings you may have towards those that hurt you. Now, as a Christian, I would argue that if you are in a position to help someone who has wronged you, then you should do it. However, this does not mean you have to form a relationship with them or have anything to do with them for that matter, as they may use that relationship as a way to harm you. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about the dangers of harsh judgment. In fact, he flat out orders his disciples to not judge others in this way. After telling his disciples this, he does something which almost seems contradictory, but it's not. He goes on to refer to certain people as dogs and pigs. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 6, he states, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, I would be the first to argue that I believe friendship is a precious gift that God blesses us with and that we can bestow on others as a way to bless them. And to get a little more specific, first off, I don't believe for one second that Jesus is referring to literal dogs and pigs with this piece of advice. I am sure he is referring to people who will take your gifts, trample them underfoot, and then turn to attack you. I mean, let's be honest about all of this. All of us have known folks who would use anything in their means as a way to harm you, including your friendship or any emotional attachment you may have with them. So when Christ is advising his disciples to not give certain gifts to these dogs and pigs, I believe he is advising us to be careful in the emotional investment we place into people, especially people we know would like to harm us if they have a chance, or who have a track record of harming us. As we discussed in the previous episode, by their fruits you will know them. I am not saying you should be unkind towards them. You should not shun them. I am simply saying you should do good for these people if the opportunity arises, but don't give them an emotional platform in your life that they can abuse. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus says, Behold, I am sending you out as a sheep in the midst of wolves. So be as wise as a serpent and as innocent as a dove. Because if we are being completely honest, releasing ourselves of the anger and ill will we may hold towards those seeking to harm us is much more beneficial to us and to society as a whole than anything those in the cancel culture are advocating for. And if we will live our principles, then the world will see that we have something beautiful to offer it, and no one has to get canceled. However, if these individuals continue to come after us with the intention of canceling us, then I think we need to take a note from America's anchorman, Rush Limbaugh, who recently passed away. One of the reasons I believe the left was unable to cancel Rush Limbaugh despite their best efforts throughout the course of his life, and believe me, they tried several times to cancel him, is because he was as wise as a serpent. The self-described leader of the vast right-wing conspiracy found a way of getting his message out there through the medium of AM radio, which was almost extinct by the time he became syndicated nationwide. He displayed a level of broadcasting talent that can only be described as being on loan from God. 
He was able to take this outdated mode of communication, AM radio frequency, and he used that to create a show that would become the most listened to nationwide with over 27 million listeners. Russia's voice and message gave millions of Americans a sense that they are not alone. And thankfully, before he returned his talent to our maker, he found a relationship with our Savior. Despite all of the battles that Rush fought in the last years of his life, including those against people that hated him, he never became bitter towards them. He simply had nothing to do with them, because he was not going to cast his pearls before swine. And the lesson that I believe we can take from this is the fact that we do not need to let those who want to harm us rule our lives. Rush Limbaugh didn't let these folks ruin his life, and he never got canceled. We need to reach out to those who we can. We need to show love and respect to everyone as our maker would have us do. And at the end of the day, we need to focus our precious gifts on those who will not dub us as unforgiven. If you would, please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for the people you bless us with, who give us a sense of belonging in this world, who build us up, seek our highest good, and love us even when we prove ourselves to be unlovable. God, help us to move past the bitterness and anger that we may feel towards those who have wronged us, and help us to grow in you and to find love and even compassion for those who seek to harm us. Again, dear Lord, we just praise you and thank you so much for all you have done for us, and we pray all these things in your Son's precious name. Amen. All musical contributions to the Joyful Stoic Podcast have been provided by Winston the Tech Guy. Many thanks, Winston. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to this podcast. Also, please feel free to share this episode with a friend. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please consider giving me a five-star review. It really helps. Thank you so much, and God bless.